Hello and welcome to the Evidence-Based Education Podcast. My name is Jamie Scott and this episode is the second in our mini-series on CPD and the Great Teaching Toolkit Evidence Review. In this episode, we speak to three leaders from two schools to hear how they're using the Great Teaching Toolkit as part of their CPD strategy. I chat to Deputy Head Paula O'Reilly and Lead Practitioner for English Katie Pouts at Failinge Park, but first up, I speak to Jade Pierce, Assistant Head Teacher at Walton High School. Hi, Jade. Hi, Jamie. Jade, how are you? I'm really good, thank you. How are you? I am well. I know you're in school at the moment, but tell us um, the name of that school and and what you do there. Yeah, so I work at Walton High School in Stafford. Um, I teach business studies and economics and I am assistant head in charge of teaching and learning. Okay, and you've just come off lunch duty, I believe. Yes, just come off lunch duty, just supervising um, some of our key worker children and double year 12 before that. So busy morning. Yes, definitely. Well, um, it's snowing here, so I, I guess you've had a, a cold lunch break, but you're, you're back into the warmth of school now. Jade, we kind of recruited you to the podcast after you shared uh, a popular post on Twitter with a summary of the Great Teaching Toolkit Evidence Review and how you think it can be used to support staff development and teaching and learning. So um, hearing your plans alongside that of others um, in this podcast, such as the team at Failinge Park, I'm really interested to know what you're doing. Um, But first, can you just tell us how you came about the evidence review and what you first thought of it? Yeah, so going back to Twitter, it was actually on Twitter that I first saw the review Um, I think I'd seen some adverts um, or some notifications that it was going to get published. And then on the day of publication, my Twitter kind of lit up with everybody posting that the uh, the toolkit had finally been released and what what an amazing piece of um, research or summary of research it was. Um, I am hugely interested in evidence-informed pedagogy, so was really interested in it straight away. And then, as you say, kind of read it and and did my summary. My my initial thoughts were that I really liked how in depth it was. So I think that there's a lot of research nowadays that we use and that lots of schools use, like like Rose and Chan's principles, for example, which are brilliant, but they're very um, succinct and they don't go into a huge level of depth level of depth about how these best bets from research can be applied in the classroom. So as soon as I looked at the teacher toolkit, straight away it was obvious that actually there was so much in there that you could take and, and apply immediately in your setting and in your lessons. Yeah. So really, really liked that. And then I also really liked the importance placed on knowledge and the specific types of knowledge that teachers need to be great teachers. For me, this is something that has been missed a bit in other educational research. So the fact that it talks about Um, content knowledge and curriculum sequencing knowledge and knowledge of tasks and activities knowledge of misconceptions and really puts that at the forefront of of the toolkit I really like that as well so I thought that was brilliant okay awesome that's really interesting to hear thank you so this summary that um, you and I have mentioned that you've created tell us what it is and sort of how you've been using the the evidence review in your school 
Yes. So one of the things that I do as part of my role is to disseminate research to the teachers okay. in our school. And that's that's often the research somebody's that, that I share on Twitter. Um, so because the great teacher toolkit looked so good, I, I thought that I should summarise it for my my school. And um, so what I've done in the summary is just a general introduction to the main dimensions of the toolkit. So the four dimensions and then under each one of those as a, as a subtitle, I've summarised the main elements. And um, but I've also added in a section where I look at. So how can we develop or implement this in our school um, to try and make it a bit more practical and to try and give teachers and readers things that they can take straight away and put into their teaching. So that's the content of the toolkit. Um, and then in terms of what we've done with it, obviously I've shared that with all of my staff. So like I said at the start, it's a really in-depth review covering lots and lots of different elements of teaching. So we found that that's really improved our staff's knowledge of evidence and informed pedagogy. Okay. Um, so that's been brilliant. That's one of the, the ways that we've used it. Um, and then we've then used it in CPD. So I'm in charge of delivering all of our whole school CPD. And we've referred to the toolkit extensively in those whole school se sessions. So, for example, one of our big focuses at the moment, along with lots of schools, I'm sure, is retrieval practice. I really like the bit in the toolkit where it talks about retrieval practice should include in-depth learning. So it's not just the kind of factual knowledge that you want students to remember. It should go further than that. Mm -hmm. And also that how important it is to remove scaffolds that were given retrieval practice over time. And um, so it's really helped to improve my own knowledge of those things but also we've then been able to use that in CPD with our staff. Um, we've also got a teaching and learning research group so this is a voluntary group of teachers which meet about once every half term there's about 20 members of staff from our school that meet together and every half term we read one piece of research and okay. then we get together um, in our meeting and we discuss our thoughts on the research with the main view being what are our takeaways? What can we take from this research and, and try to use to improve our practice? Yeah. So we initially just looked at uh, dimension four, the generating hard thinking, activating hard thinking section. Yeah. Um, but then when I did the summary, we also read my summary and went through that as well. So what teachers then do after we've done our discussion I summarise, well, these are the things that we liked most from um, the Great Teacher to Teaching Toolkit. These are the things that we're going to try and implement in our teaching. And then every member of the teaching learning group goes back and discusses that within within their department. So it's not just those people that are really yeah. keen on research and want to get involved. It's actually everybody because you sit down and you say, well, at the teaching and learning research group, we looked yeah. at the Great Teaching Toolkit and these are the main things that we felt might improve our practice. So we've used it there as well. Would you say that this is kind of given a framework for, for the stuff that you might have been looking at anyway? Or has it kind of been a good starting point in terms of, all oh, right, well, these are kind of important things that we should look at and attend to when we're thinking about CPD? Yeah, so a bit of a mix, I think. Um, I really like that it highlights what what it's one way of looking at what are the most important things in teaching and learning so knowledge is one of the most important things developing a supportive learning environment is one of the most important things making sure that all pupils are, are thinking hard is one of the most important things so i think you can think right so this is our framework for what really good teaching and learning looks like 
and then you can use it to think what do we need to work on so for example for us one of the things that we've taken away from this is our need to look at our curriculum and sequencing and so that's prompted all of our middle leaders to complete a curriculum review process where they look at what are they teaching what are the prerequisites to that knowledge what can they build on from that um how should the curriculum be sequenced so it's been really good in that way in that it has enabled us to say this is a framework for really good teaching and learning and and used to identify those areas that we need to work on most yeah but, but then i also think that within those areas if you think oh well we're really strong at retrieval practice because we've been doing it for x amount of years within each practice it also gives you things like almost like a tick list to say but are you doing retrieval practice that is really in depth and are you doing retrieval practice that um assesses higher order skills instead of just factual knowledge so we've used it in two different ways there i I suppose yeah so it can be used as a a frame of reference i suppose to say okay this is good we're working on some good things that seem important that kind of validates you know everything that we thought but you're also suggesting that it gives it points to excuse me it points to other things that you might want to focus on as well Right. Well, that's that's great, Jade. It's really interesting to hear how, how you've been using it. And we're going to hear from other people in the podcast as well as to what they're doing. So thank you very much for your time. Thank you so much for having me. Hello, Paula. And hello, Katie. Hi, Jamie. Hello there. So following on from the chat we had with Janice in the first episode of this podcast series, What I'd really like to hear from you is how you're organising professional development in the school around uh, the Great Teaching Toolkit Evidence Review to get some of the detail behind the plans Janice described in the last episodes. But before we do that, it would be really good to hear how you describe the professional development culture at Failinge Park. We've heard from Janice, but I just want to check she's not making up this kind of (laughs) utopian culture that she described. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I think um, it's quite easy to say now because everybody says it all of the time. In terms of school improvement, the most important thing you can do is to develop your teaching staff um, and to develop all staff, actually. But in terms of in the classroom, to really create a culture whereby learning of the, the, the professional learning of teachers is high priority and is something that you value as a school and you've got embedded within your culture as a school. So when Janice came in 2015, it was it was great because I was already here. I was an assistant head at that point. And it was great because straight away I'd had all these ideas that we wanted to put together and straight away our sort of vision aligned in terms of how it would look. What we wanted was we wanted to make sure that, that professional learning for teachers was seen as something that's continuous. And loads of people now give quotes out, don't they? But the idea was that, you know, it's not because our teachers are not good enough but it's because they can be even better. And we, we, we mm-hmm. sort of use that as our mantra, really, in terms of, 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 that, um, of that quotation, because we wanted people to really embrace this idea of professional learning. We did a lot of work at the beginning on talking to teachers about, about their beliefs and values, um, because we felt that what we wanted to do was to make it really apparent that what we were talking about was their professional learning from them becoming a novice to an expert and where did they feel they sat on that on that continuum and what we wanted them to do was to be honest with themselves and that actually even a teacher who's been teaching for 15 years you might still be novice in certain elements of practice 
At the same time, what we wanted to do as well, we wanted to really highlight this idea that you've got pedagogical subject knowledge and you've also got your subject knowledge. And um, we'd got to a point, I think, in education, and certainly I'd been through many sessions where I'd stood at the front as a teaching and learning lead and talked about some something um, and then asked everybody to go away and, and, and put this into their into their areas. And it didn't work. And the reason it didn't work is because it wasn't it wasn't based on their understand their expert understanding of their subject and not just their subject knowledge, but their understanding of how their subject is taught to children. And so therefore, what we wanted to do is we wanted to empower our teachers to go on this self-directed learning journey, really, whereby they took ownership of their own professional learning um, mm -hmm. in a collaborative way. Um, which meant that actually we empowered their professionalism um, and it didn't feel like it was being done to them, but it felt like it was being done with them. And we wanted people to really reflect and be able to consider their own professional learning. I'd read the book Unleashing Great Teaching after that, and we used a lot of the ideas within there really to sort of start thinking about how that might look at failing. So okay. that, does that answer your question? Or yeah, anything? yeah, absolutely. And Katie, kind of, would you add anything to, to that, do you think? I think just from the other side of it, sitting and being in the professional learning sessions and learning, we trust that the person who's delivering has already done the research, the thinking, and the information's then presented to us in a very manageable form, in a bite-sized form, and we can then use that as the start of our our journey, our learning journey, and go and find out more. We can try it in our classroom. We can personalise it for the students. And so it's useful. It's not too much information all at once, but it's not just a teaser that is then a lot of work for us to go and do. I mean, it sounds, it sounds fantastic. And obviously all of that stuff that you described there, um, Paula, is, is an ongoing process, isn't it? It's kind of talking the talk, walking the walk all the time. And I'm just interested if you have any kind of take on, you know, how long does it take or what does it take to kind of bring people with you when you kind of have this vision and you want to build that trust? Yeah, no, I think that's really important. And I think I think what you've got to do is you've got to have your principles of CPD, uh, CPD design. Um, you've got to agree those principles um, in terms of your SL, SLT or in terms of, you know, the strategic direction of the school. Mm. Decide that SLT and those principles become your guiding force then and then what we wanted to do then was we, we were you know we were in a, um, a position whereby the school was good um, the school was um, we were in a position where we, we, we had the luxury of time if you like but actually what we wanted to do is we wanted to ensure that in the first instance for example engagement was the key thing with teachers we wanted the teachers to engage in it um, and we wanted them to to feel that they could engage so um sort of answering your question there i think you have to look at your own context and you have to have your principles of cpd de design but then think about how are you going to implement that that's suitable for your context and suitable for the staff that you've got there so we had quite quite um, an experienced staff which brings loads of you know loads of great things to it but also brings yeah. some you know some challenges actually because yeah. people think they already know everything and people actually like well I've done this before and I don't know what the point of that is and I saw that to five years ago so we had to really consider the teaching staff and I think that's where Janice coming in as a new head but me having been here for, for I think I've been here four years then 
it complemented quite well in that we did we were able to really sit and build those relationships because we knew we knew who we had on our team if that makes sense yeah so we very carefully um created hubs so our hubs are like a learning community where the teachers are put together in a particular in a particular okay. area and in the first instance what we did and it's all directed time um in the first instance what we did we made them cross curricular but we thought very carefully about the dynamic within those hubs and we thought very carefully about who we would put in there to if you like lead the hub mm-hmm. so that, as katie said we were introducing things but we didn't want it to become out you must go away and do this it was more uh, right okay this this piece of research suggests that this is, is quite useful um how would that look in maths how would that look in english um and we wanted people to really engage with that conversation and i suppose one of our principles was to get people thinking seriously and differently about their um, practice um and that was we kept coming back to that we want you to think differently about your practice we want you to think about your practice in a different way than perhaps you've been doing previously Janice mentioned these learning hubs and Tuesday sessions and um, professional inquiry questions Um, and I think uh, learning leads or lead practitioners which perhaps you are Katie I think in in terms of CPD failing so what I want to really try and understand um, is how does all this knit together so you're you're using the great teaching toolkit model for great teaching as kind of the framework for the professional inquiry, I believe. But so how is this organised? If I was um, in a school and I thought this sounds good, I, I want to do it. Can you tell us kind of what the framework is, if you like? What's the blueprint, the instructions? We can. Yeah. And I, but I, th- I think that with that comes a little bit of caution in terms of, OK, so this is an example of what we do. Um, what we would what I would advise, first of all, is to sit down and really consider what would work in in in, in the context of where, where another person is. So by no means do I think what we've got is absolutely the only way to do it, is sort of what I'm saying. Yeah, that's a good caution. I think you're right. Yeah, so it's just it's working for us. So and it and it has evolved very much in terms of we started with the learning clubs, as I say, and, and they were cross-curricular. Um, and we set we asked people to really consider um, an inquiry question in terms of any um, and we did some input so we had um, morning teaching and learning sessions where we we actually at that point used um, teach like a champion some of the techniques from there to just mm. get people thinking in terms of okay let's take um, cold calling for example how might that look in your classroom and we did some we did some input there in the morning and then what we asked people to do in the learning hubs so quite simply what the learning hubs are there's a directed time hour every three weeks where where colleagues meet together um, and discuss learning um, and discuss their practice and what we asked them to do was to create an inquiry question based on lesson study really and that idea of a responsive cycle so the idea of we want you to take um, an inquiry question such as how does cold calling improve um, the extended answers of middle attaining boys in year eight um, and then what we asked them to do then was we asked them to choose three boys in their class. If that was an inquiry question and they literally would look at in a sort of action based um, sort of research way. What did what did it do to those three boys by cold calling them? Um, and yeah. we asked them to to sort of create um, a piece of uh, uh, an inquiry question write up then that told us how that had worked. What we became very clear on very quickly was that what people did was go straight to the child's outcome, which, of course, in the end, 
that's what we want. We want this to be having a massive impact on the kids' learning. However, what teachers found really hard was to put it back to them and talk about their learning. And instead of it being, so when they did the first did the, first did their sort of write-ups for us in terms of what, what had they learned by going through this professional learning um, model, yeah. it kept being about what the children did, which was good, fine. But actually, they, we found it really hard and it probably took us two, yeah, maybe even three <laughs> years to get right. just to say, no, what impact did it have on your learning? Yeah. What do you now do? How have you moved from, say, novice in that particular area to more of an expert um, in that particular area? And so we really asked them to focus in on what's he done for your learning. And we talked about deliberative and um, adaptive practice. So we linked it then to how people learn and how, you know, is it now is it now in your practice? Is it a habit in your practice or have to remind yourself to do it, um, which is fine. But only when it becomes something that's automatic um, is it really happening in your practice day in and day out. Um, so we've had all those very in-depth conversations with teachers yeah. about that and, and and not become a surface sort of, um, oh, we all, you know, everybody uses cold calling in school. That's not what we wanted it to be like. Yeah. We wanted it to be one small thing, one small change to their practice that they were then able to um really dissect and think about the impact okay. on themselves Sorry. what's the, the kind of life cycle there then Katie um with, with an inquiry question if you were if you chose an inquiry question how long are you kind of working on that for weeks it is again very dependent on the teacher and the subject because as as an English teacher I know that people in the English team may see the same group seven or eight times a fortnight whereas somebody who's teaching a different subject in school may only see them once or twice. So it is dependent on the subject and the teacher. Um, but generally weeks, it's it's the idea of before anybody does anything, we want the staff to really think about the topic or think mm. about the aspect that's going to change in their lesson. Go away, research it, talk to people about it. Look at what's already been done. Don't try and reinvent the wheel. Mm. See what's worked for other people. Then it needs to be introduced into the classroom. And it needs to be a habit for those students. We're not looking at, does this have an impact in one lesson? Yeah. If this is part of your pedagogy, does it work? Does it make a difference? And I think also what's important within the hubs is using staff to support each other. So having staff coming in, um, watching part of your lessons and giving you advice, giving you feedback on what they can see. We we talk about our staff as being um, the other pair of eyes in the room. While you're teaching, there is far too much going on mm-hmm. to properly see the impact of all the little things you're doing on a child. So that supportive partnership of you helping somebody develop, them helping you develop, takes time. Fantastic. Yeah. If your learning hubs are meeting, what, every three weeks, like you say, an inquiry question, you know, you talk about all the things, all the steps there involved in kind of thinking about planning, trying, evaluating, trying again. So it could be, you know, when you say weeks, it, it's kind of um, a couple of months, may, maybe. Yeah, even. Yeah. Months. So, yeah, yeah. so, Jamie, just to go back again, that evolved from um, in the first one, we literally um, we spent probably two terms doing one inquiry question. Right. Then in the second year, we had an inquiry question in every term. And what we found was that was too many. Um, the first one was probably too long and what naturally happened in the first year was people that were that um, really thrived in this environment they started making little mini inquiry questions from their bigger one 
Um, whereas in the second year, when we went to three inquiry questions, that was perhaps just too much in terms of the, the third term. It became a little bit because exams started and things like that yeah. it became a little bit mixed up. So now we do two. We do we do up to February half term and then we do from February after February half term up to, up to the summer. Um, obviously, it's a bit not quite like that at the moment, but that's, that, yeah. that's how we were, how it was set up. That's really useful to know. I think, you know, when thinking about looking at an inquiry question for how long, you know, it's it's um, I think that kind of experience is invaluable hearing what you've got to say there. So what are what are Tuesday sessions? Are they kind of just the night where the learning hubs meet up or is that something separate? No. So Tuesdays, what we did, um, we after this, maybe the second, I think it was after the end of the second year, one of the things that seemed to um put teachers off I suppose is the word research um because um if, uh, research means different things to different people so the scientists became very obsessed with research yeah um other people just couldn't face the idea of research so instead we started calling it to be evidence informed instead so um we sort of dropped the word research and became and, and started to use the phrase evidence informed yeah. and I think that's really important as well um just as an aside that sort of use of language and how you use language when you are designing professional learning um, and also communicating with staff is really important because, yeah. again, going back to sort of the principles of our CPD design, we wanted a common language. Um, and if you've not got that common language, that the same thing means one thing means the same to everybody in your school. Yeah. Um, it becomes mixed up. So we were very sort of, right, let's become evidence informed. Yeah. And then what we said was, right, OK listening back to feedback from teachers that possibly was hard when you're um you know you've got a busy timetable you've got you know lots of classes so what we decided to do was chunk down some um evidence I suppose um onto Tuesday sessions we disaggregated some of our twilights and what we have is every Tuesday it's not quite every Tuesday because of the way it works but it's virtually every Tuesday the whole school stops um at quarter to three and um, for that half hour, the whole school does does professional learning. So that includes support staff, that includes admin staff. But in terms of the teachers, um, we then broke down. So we did a lot of work. With, when I say we did work, it was almost like a little bit sort of a mini lecture, almost a little bit okay. of a sort of like, here's some information. And then and it, it was very in very small chunks. And we used a lot of the, the stuff in terms of, of learning and, and people's brains to design that those chunks those sessions yeah. if you like so we'd go over things and we wouldn't be afraid to go over things and come back to things after three weeks to see what had been forgotten so we started with um graham nuttall's um secret lives of learners yeah. lives of learners and then we moved on to cognitive load we did some stuff from harry fletcher ward in terms of of, um, of modeling and things like that so we, we over the course of the past two years we've done quite a lot of input for teaching staff what that then did was it gave them something to hook their um, inquiry questions onto. So we moved away from in that first year, and there's nothing wrong with this, looking at techniques such as cold calling or, um, you know, um, what else do we do, think time, techniques that you might see in a classroom. We moved away to the really trying to get um, our staff to really understand how children learn and therefore what they can do in their practice to help children learn. So. Um, looking at you know this idea of cognitive load and, and what extraneous load is in your classroom what could you get what could you get rid of um, really thinking about you know introducing children to things and giving them time to forget 
coming back to it. And what we did in the sessions, we modelled, if you like, how that might look for them as learners. So it was really interesting that I would often put up some um, some multiple choice questions of something that we'd done, done say, six sessions ago. And the teachers would all go, oh, oh, and panic. And I'd say, right, so you're now the learner, aren't you? You've forgotten, yeah. which is fine. Yeah. Um, but that's what's happening in your classrooms all the time. So if you're moving on in terms of your curriculum and you're not sequencing your curriculum for retrieval um, and to go back and recap, and then that's going to happen. So it gave us a chance as well to really link that into curriculum design and sequencing of, of yeah. learning and things. Yeah, so the Tuesday nights became that time um, for us to give that sort of expert opinion, not that I'm the expert, but presenting things from experts yeah. um, that they could go away and consider and think. Um, and that then le- linked into the hubs, which then on the hubs, they would come up with um, come up with inquiry questions. Yes. OK, so the, the Tuesday sessions could, in theory, just sort of be feeding um, people with ideas for what might form their professional inquiry. But... They could also, you know, just be sort of quite enriching, giving people a chance to th- really think about their practice and to discuss it with others without necessarily forming a professional inquiry question. Is that is that right? That, that's yeah. exactly right. And okay. also linking into so what we do on our timetable, we give um, curriculum areas one hour a fortnight whereby they've got a time off timetable altogether so they can sit and discuss um, teaching and learning um, curriculum assessment. And therefore, what that did as well, it, it fed into that. So subject leads would be there. And of course, they could then pick up on things and say, right, actually, is our scheme of learning fit for purpose? If yeah. what we're saying is we need to, you know, we need to build in retrieval practice. Um, so it, it all linked together so that all the direction of uh, yeah. the conversation was was coming from, I suppose, those Tuesday sessions. I think I'm really, really struck by what you said about the, uh, the sort of the common professional dialogue. And it was just really interesting to hear you say that the word research almost sort of derailed what you wanted to achieve and just highlights the importance of of language in kind of being quite specific and careful in terms of what you're trying to say, what, what you're saying and what you're doing. Absolutely, yeah. We're, we're really keen on that idea of of language being so, so important in terms of, of, of creating a culture because, yeah, things need to mean the same to it, to everybody. Um, yeah. otherwise it gets gets lost I was just going to say as as teachers time is so valuable isn't it and that you can get stuck down this rabbit hole in research so you go on to look at one thing you then it leads you to something else and you realize you might have spent an hour yeah. researching and yet you haven't got any answers yet so I think that's the other scary thing about research whereas if somebody introduces you to something and has already done some of the research yeah you've got more of a focus for what you're looking for and signposting things to read um, and things. So up in, you know, up in the library, we do have a CPD library, but it just signposts, um, you know, maybe go and read this blog by such a body. Um, and, and so people can then decide. So there are some people who love to read and there are other people who find that a bit of a chore. So it was sort of differentiating, if you like, for your teaching staff as well in terms of, yeah. of where they go and how they do it and, and how they choose to um, do their own professional learning, which is back to the self, the, the the sort of overall aim which is this self-directed we never stop learning we never we're never the finished product I think you've got to kind of meet people where they are um, to some extent don't you because not everyone's at the same place which which teachers will know in terms of their learners you've got to kind of meet people where they are um, rather than just kind of hope that you're going to bring everyone to to where you want to start from 
And so now you're applying um, to this sort of process, your your um, your learning hubs, the Tuesday sessions. You're using the Great Teaching Toolkit Evidence Review. Is that right? And and the model for great teaching within that, the four dimensions and the 17 elements. Am I right in thinking people are going to take an element as part of their professional inquiry and investigate that? Yeah, that's exactly right. So I suppose we're, we're, when um, Robco came in and Stuart came in and we spoke to them about um, the toolkit and Katie was heavily in, involved in that, um, we had this vehicle there that was perfect for now taking this this, this um, review and sort of really thinking how could we use it. So what we've done is this year and, and you know, the, this current situation has had a little bit of an impact on it, although it didn't yeah. at the beginning. Probably this lockdown has had more of an impact on what we can and can't do. But what we wanted to do is we we, we took um, the idea of, and, and using the toolkit and we said, right, OK, how can we use this now? How can we make our hubs a way to um, engage our teachers in reading this this piece of work? So it wasn't just about, you know, getting them to do something. It was also about them engaging them in thinking through what we would, what, what this, because it is, it, it is brilliant. And it puts, what it does, it gives you something to really um, focus your staff yeah. on, I suppose. Um, and what we did was we, we decided that we were going to go for dimension four. Um, so what we chose not to do. Now, some people had read it, you know, because I'd, I'd seen it because um, it's out there for anybody to see. But what we did was we gave Dimension 4 and we, uh, in the hubs, the very first hub session, we just asked people to read it. And we said, okay, read Dimension 4, tell us what you think. And then from that, then we started to say, right, okay, now look at the elements within Dimension 4 and maybe start thinking about where do you, where would you like to work this year? What, which, which of these elements would you like to work on? Um, which then gave people the opportunity to read and they discussed it in the hubs. So we probably spent the first half term really yeah. just discussing that. Um, what we did with our assessment hub, we gave them dimension one and asked them to really think about that idea of anatomy of learning from that and what does that mean and what's the pedagogical subject knowledge that you need to teach your subjects and how does that link to assessment. So we um, we sort of split into two, so it was dimension four and dimension one. Now we've done that on purpose in that what we wanted to do was get people engaged with this this document um, rather than just give it all, give it to them as a whole and say, oh, have a look at that. What do you fancy doing? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so it's it, we we did that very much on purpose, um, and then teachers from there then have started to put all together what we kept reminding them of all the things that they've already got in terms of their professional learning and how now they might take what they've already got and use that to work on a particular element within the toolkit that they could then do an inquiry question upon I suppose. Um, yes. I think yeah I think what's what really helps staff and again it's something that we've been working on for the past you know several years is the fact that this inquiry question needs to be so focused so it takes us a lot of time in discussing inquiry questions and tweaking them to mm. make it something that is measurable to make it something where you can tell whether this one thing is making a difference on the students in your classroom or not. And so the elements and the fact that the Great Teaching Toolkit is broken down in the way it is really helps staff to focus on one aspect of their teaching. Because the minute you try and measure more, it becomes unmeasurable. And then you don't learn whether something works in your classroom or not. 
and we wanted as well Jamie to because we'd, we'd got the responsive cycle was embedded in our practice now so people knew how we, we we very much made that explicit so we've done lots of work in the hubs in terms of explaining the responsive cycle what does that mean what does that look like how can you um how can you see if something's working how can you use your, your collaboration with other colleagues as Katie said earlier to go into lessons to to notice things but to not make assumptions about things because you know because we know all the flaws in lesson observations and all those things but what what we did there was we enabled people to be able to um take this take an idea and explore it for themselves now again we we were in a position where we'd been doing hubs since 2015 and therefore again a note of caution would be I'm not sure you could go in and yeah. start straight away with that responsive cycle without doing a lot of the background work that we've done to get people in a position to have those conversations to work in in pairs so one of the things I think I missed before is now the way the hubs are set up you've been a subject pair so there's still overall um cross-curricular if you like but actually because of the work that we did probably in about 2018 in terms of right actually if you're not working with another subject specialist it actually becomes less meaningful so we put them into subject pairs or trios and so it was very much about now really that in-depth conversation about learning that's happening within classrooms that was complemented by the way we do incremental coaching or instructional coaching because we were getting people to focus on an element of practice um and I, I can talk about that as well if you want in a, in a minute but that that idea was as Katie said it was about isolating pinpointing something and working on it rather yeah. than trying to do everything because doing yeah. everything is impossible I really like that phrase that you used there Katie I'm, I'm now wondering if I'm going to remember it but the, the kind of the more you measure the, the more it becomes unmeasurable and that mm -hmm. I don't think that was quite exactly what you said but the 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 idea there is absolutely right. We've really got to be careful about the purpose of what we're doing. And certainly in terms of kind of research and evaluation, you've got to frame an evaluation question and you've got to really look for one answer to one thing. You can't hope to kind of answer multiple questions in what you're doing. And not be afraid to do that, Jamie, because obviously that takes some that takes longer um, in terms of improving practice. But what I think it does do is it makes the improvements more sustainable and um, more embedded into a, into a teacher's practice than if you try to do everything. Because running alongside all of this, we've had, in, in, we call it incremental coaching, but it is instructional coaching. Um, the lead, practitioner, lead practitioners do that. And we see that as an entitlement for all. So every person now in school has had... Um, sessions of, of incremental coaching in terms of the, they work normally on about a six-week block and Katie or one of the other lead practitioners will go in with another colleague they'll identify an area of practice that they want to work on a really small incremental um, step each each week um, now that for somebody who's a novice teacher will look very different for, than somebody mm -hmm. who's been teaching a while but actually what we didn't want to do was just make that about our teachers who perhaps were struggling in the classroom or some people yeah. see them as failing teachers we didn't want to make it about that we wanted to make it about actually this is something we should all be doing um whichever stage of your um you are in your teaching career now of course that does mean that sometimes um Katie and the lead practitioners go and work with people who maybe are struggling with climate in their classroom or behavior management but because the trust is there 
and because the feeling of that actually what we're doing um, is is about developing people's practice um, I will say I have never met a teacher who doesn't want to get better now some people might say I'm fortunate or I might say well actually I, I think generally human beings do strive to get better yeah um, but when they get into a cycle where they're being told you know that they're not good enough that can be that can be actually the reason why they're not getting any better um, so we've been very we've been at pain drillers to make sure even with teachers where perhaps you know there's been some questions about their practice that we have given incremental coaching um, and that might be that 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 colleague has two two um, cycles of incremental coaching or even three but what we do is we 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 really put this onus on picking a small element of your teaching and then every week sort of reviewing how that's going yeah. and then starting doing it doing another one um well, so working alongside the hubs and working alongside the tuesdays there's there's a lot going on there and i think there's a, there's a lot of great advice um for people to take on board that you've given there um and all of a sudden we've been talking for i don't know 35 minutes or so and, and we we could easily go on for longer but i think we'll have to to leave it there but I hope that there'll be another opportunity actually to, to come back to you and talk to you again, perhaps drill down on a, a specific element of what you've discussed or just find out how it's going and, and where people have gone with their professional inquiry questions. So thank you both very much, uh, Paula and Katie, for your time and everything that you've had to say on that. You're very welcome. Thanks, Jamie.